really? Who who are yes. you? I am uh my name is Riley Hopkins. I use they them pronouns. Um I uh I I I, I do I make I make games and I tweet and I do podcasts and uh is that is that the answer you're 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 hoping for? Is that the right? I mean, there's no right, the right answer aim? to that question, Riley. That's for you to determine. <laughs> Well, well, then I think I covered it. I think I covered all the important bases. Yeah, so so speaking of making games, um, so you made Interstitial, which is, a, I almost said an actual play game, but that's there's two Interstitials, and I'm going to probably <laughs> fuck it up this entire time. Yep. Because there's yep, yep, Interstitial yep, we... the game, and there's Interstitial the podcast <laughs> that's tied to the game, but is not inherently the game. We 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 dif- we uh, differentiate between them by going interstitial AP for the uh, AP one and then just interstitial for the other. In hindsight, probably could have done that better, but <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. real easy if you listen to the AP and are like, "Dang, I wish there was a game of this." Um, but so I guess just kind of you know starting out in the getting into the wayback machine. How did you kind of like first get into like tabletop games? So I got into uh, tabletop games not super long ago, like three years or so. Like I tried to play in high school, but all my friends thought it was too nerdy. And so our answer to that was to then make our own game because it's not Dungeons and Dragons, so it's not nerdy. But instead we had this wonderful game called Zombie Survivalist, which was incredibly nerdy and bad. Oh, wow. Yep, it's all about fighting zombies. And we went back and I went back and reread it. Like, is this salvageable? And no, no, it's just, not. Just hard no, huh? Yeah, hard, hard no. Put that away. Put that somewhere else so I don't gotta look at it. <laughs> I won't share that. But uh, <laughs> like, I then put away role playing games like all through college and then after. And then, uh, well, like three years ago, four years ago, I started listening to One Shot podcast, and that was my first like actual play. And then I started watching Crit Roll, and then I joined the One Shot Discord and started playing. I played like my first actual role playing games with like an established group, and that was rad. And I've been playing role playing games like pretty consistently since then. That's sick. I also got into role play stuff pretty recently. Like I started listening to Friends of the Table was my first actual play. And I think it was like, did I start listening to Friends of the Table this year? God, I think I did. Yeah, it, it's a. <laughs> <laughs> I still have like on on my hands played like, like I can count the amount of time on my hands that I've played in real life. Oh, like all my games have been digital, just because like yeah, that's how you get together with people is you just play over the Discord. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, I've literally never played tabletop, like, with people in real life. It sounds scary, right? It sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> I almost went, the this, like, comic shop I uh, went to, like, I used to go to and where my college is was having, like, a D&D one-shot day, and I was going to go, and then I thought about it, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, God, I'm going to be a girl at this place, and people are going to be, like probably being shitty to me yeah and i was just like it's gonna be a whole fucking thing i was like oh i really want this to be a positive experience but i just feel like it won't be plus i have to get up early and that sounds like a whole thing too so i just didn't go and like i like online spaces so much more because i feel like i can curate better who i'm playing with and it's not like literally like i'm gonna roll the fucking dice and go to a public area and see if that works out because, like, I can't imagine a world where that has ever worked out. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I want to believe that it would be fun, but I just don't. Mm-hmm. Like, even from just, yeah. like, interacting with randos on Slay, because now we're, like, pretty firmly in, like, weird indie D&D scene on Twitter. <laughs> but we had some dude try to, like, explain like mansplain some kind of weird D D conspiracy about drow to us and he was like well if you don't play with this in mind then you're fucking amateurs and i was like well no shit we're amateurs that's the point <laughs> yeah eat shit <laughs> jeff like i don't care <laughs> like 
I have a I have a fucking mug that's mug that says Criff the rules, which is basically fuck the rules. Because I hate like I hate people who are so like insistent on. Well, if you don't have fun the way I like to have fun, are you really having fun at all? It's like, yeah, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> I am. Yeah, it's uh, it's so dumb and gatekeepy and bullshit, and I don't understand it. But mm-hmm. so okay, yeah. so since you are not a person who has like, you know, heaps and heaps of you know, like Austin Walker ass fucking tabletop experience. <laughs> um what inspired you to make your own entire tabletop game with a pretty established system so like i uh over the past few years have just been when i see a game and i'm like i wish it did this i would then just like hack it or mod it to then do that as far as like tabletop goes where it's like man i'm really enjoying star wars the star wars edge of the empire game but sure wish there were rules for mechs and then i would make a a (laughs) mech thing and be like this probably makes enough sense or house rules then grow into like house supplements which then grow into like oh like this is cool like i i've done a lot of uh i did a uh i did a hack for basically the edge of the empire system but it's zelda and like it's just like i taking something an established thing that's already there and then like putting a new hat on it is incredibly fun and i guess that that kind of comes from like when i used to play more music is like cover songs are the best to do because you're doing something that already works but making your own spin on it and so hacking games is that same damn thing it's just (laughs) you you're covering a game and then like like oh this is cool um and then like i kept doing smaller smaller bits like that and then in january january through february i played Every Kingdom Hearts game. Wait, of this year? My f- <laughs> this year? <laughs> of 2018? Of the century that is 2018? <laughs> yeah. I had I had touched Kingdom Hearts 1 in college because my fiancé's brother loves Kingdom Hearts. He's super into it. And so he was like, Riley, you'll like these games. And I was like, okay. And then I tried it once and I put it down. And then this year, I was like, oh, okay, Kingdom Smarts started. The Hey Jake and Josh podcast with uh, Jake and Shannon. I started listening to that, and I was like, Kingdom Hearts is fun, actually. And then I learned about Got It Memorized. And then I ha- I still have, like, the note in a Discord where it's like, what if there was a Kingdom Hearts role-playing game? And, like, <laughs> I could still see that in the fucking Discord. And, like, my rule to myself this year was I'm not going to start any projects. I'm not going to finish. And um, so I didn't give up on this one <laughs> as soon as it got further. And I was like, oh, I got to finish it. <laughs> And here we are. Lord. Well, I mean, <laughs> you did it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I fucking guess. Right. And then like, as I was pl- making game, I was like, hey, this is the first time I've done something and like enjoyed it. <laughs> like something that is like, oh, like this could be this could be sold as a commodity. Like and like been like, hey, this is dope. I'm enjoying doing this. So like I just kept doing it and then it got to a point where i was like all right well the game's done it just needs to be continually play tested but i don't want i like i want it to look pretty and i was like well kickstarter then and so all of the kickstarter money isn't for like developing the game like if you looked in the stuff it's just like all about like editing and layouts and art and just like making it prettier so it can be released because like if you look at some like role-playing games like I love a lot of role-playing games, but they look bad. It's just like, here's a mess of text on the page and numbers. <laughs> and I just want this to look pretty. And so, like, Kickstarter facilitated that. And then it worked. And now I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I kind of wanted to talk about Kickstarter a little bit. Because that process seems really wild. Like, It is. Yeah. It for sure is. Like, <laughs> more, more people need to be transparent about that. Because it is wild. <laughs> That people trust you with money and, like, Kickstarter doesn't give the person who backs any protections, really. Like, it's just kind of like, well, there you go. Like, you don't need to put in, like, how are you spending your money? Like, you don't need to, like, be clear on what is going where, which is buck wild. Because I'm like, if I back, I want to know, like, how much of this money is going to this. Why, If you are a role-playing game, why is your goal 10000 What, Where is that going? Like... 
Uh, sorry. No, <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on the Kickstarter process. No, that's that's why we're here. This is your platform to talk about <laughs> how fucking wild Kickstarter is. Because yeah, no, I got burnt this year off of a Kickstarter, which because I don't normally kick, I don't do that many Kickstarters, but mm-hmm. I. You probably heard about it because it was a big deal, but like I backed like Universal FanCon on Kickstarter, and then mm-hmm. that shit blew up, and like <laughs> it was kind of okay for me because I kind of was already gonna take the L on that money because like I wasn't gonna be able to go, but then mm-hmm. like it was just like oh like no one's getting refunds, all these people got super fucked over, like they canceled the event like yeah, a week like- before. And, like, people just got and that's, fucked. That shit's allowed, too. Like, there's not enough protections in place for the, the consumer on... Hey, Kickstarter, you're a bad service. I love <laughs> you, but you ain't great. Like, you need to... Like, there needs to be something more. And that's why, like, in my Kickstarter, like, I went in and I have a graph that says, this is exactly how the money that I'm asking for is going to be spent. This is how the money past that's going to be spent. And that's stretch goals. That's normal. And then, like, the last stretch goal from 9.5 to 11 is, like, I'm going to give bonuses to every contractor that works on this book. And then the rest of that is, like, even more nebulous because everyone else just goes, who knows where that money goes? But, like, yeah, it goes to you, but, like... Are you using it for yourself? Are you using it for the rest of the game development? Like, what is the what is the advantage to, like, overfund by all your stretch goals? Like, for the consumer, for the person who's at that backing position, who's looking at it going, well, this 5,000 one is already at 10,000. That's their last stretch goal, so I don't need to... They're good. Like, what is the benefit for them? And it's not one. And, like... I just wish people were more explicit, like, this money will go to me and funding my life or into the next game. Like, that simple sentence, after paying your contractors more, is, like, so... There's so much there that needed needs to happen. And it's wild that Kickstarter doesn't, doesn't support... Doesn't push you to do that. It doesn't push people to be transparent because they just want you to get your money and get out. And, like, that sucks. And so... It's, it's, it's buck wild and it's so frustrating when i see other kickstarters that are like doing really well but like haven't given the backers the information of like where this money is going specifically in tabletop series like in games like i understand it's different i still think there should be like a uh graphs and shit to say this is where your money's going because that's like an informed decision that people should be able to make but like in tabletop stuff it's like why are you why are you asking us to fund for ten thousand and why isn't this information here? That is incredibly sketchy. Yeah, for sure. It's honestly like I kind of had a basic grasp that like you know Kickstarter is a little bit weird about accountability and stuff, but I honestly didn't realize that for like projects like this where it is very much like a step by step kind of thing that they kind of don't make you do that. And, like, it does seem weird, too, that, like, it's not the norm to be, like, hey, this is how where our money is going, and this is, like, why we need this much. Like, that's super, super bizarre, mm-hmm. especially because Kickstarter is supposed to be, like, the alternative to, like, how fucked up the games industry as a whole, like, as we're seeing currently is. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, the same kind of practices, basically. Yeah, like, because when you, when you start a Kickstarter... Um, you like scroll through, you put in your bank information, you put in the project stuff. And then they, they say, when you put in your goal, it's like, this is the lowest possible number you can make, like, and still have the game come out. And so I read that and go, okay, minimal art assets, editing layouts. That's all that, that's all that needs to be in there. And a basic story. Like when I see those higher cost ones, like what is going in there to make as kickstarter put it the minimum possible amount like what 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 is that what do you mean and like i just and there's not information on that there's also not information on like how long will it take me to get my money after the kickstarter goes off it's like two and a half weeks is how long it takes and like that makes a a form of sense but like also like they that should be clear near the top of it and they, they're they like, oh, you should use a thing like Backer Kit. I'm like, well, what the fuck's a Backer Kit? It's a third-party thing that then does your your like uh, card reading, and you have to pay for that if you want to do it. And that way people can support later, or like they'll handle shipping and stuff. But like there's so much that goes into like Kickstarter that they don't make clear, 
And when you are starting it and all of a sudden it's going, it comes to like a, holy shit, wait, what do I have to do here? Ah, 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 ah. Like, panic. It could be better handled a lot. And I just wish there were more, like, more resources or more people being open and honest about the Kickstarter experience to, like, help, like, explain and let people know exactly what they're going into. Because I know people aren't naive enough to be like, oh, this is just a free money machine. It's, but, like, Kickstarter almost doesn't want almost wants you to think that this is a money machine and that's fucked (laughs) yeah that's like a hundred percent fucked and i don't understand how they've like been able to keep doing that yeah it's like the people people just want a they, they want this option like we like you were saying earlier like they want a option to circumvent the current industries and to heavy air quotes like work with indie work with indie developers like this and to be fair, it does do that. Like, I have capital now that I would not have had. I have paid playbook makers. I have paid artists. Like, we are like we are moving forward on this game in a way that I would have never been able to. And, like, that is huge and dope. It's just the the scariness of, like, like just because it's, it's going well in my hands. Like, I'm doing it, like, in what I'm seeing is, like, the best I can. Like, everyone else doesn't necessarily <laughs> and that's sketchy and it's one of the, i was just listening to waypoint radio where they're like just because somebody can do something out of the goodness of their heart yeah it like, doesn't it mean shouldn't they be, will. you shouldn't rely on that yeah you shouldn't rely on that you should just fucking like make that like you have to do the good thing <laughs> yeah i was actually thinking about that too because i was just listening to that on my way home to come mm-hmm. talk to you and Hell yeah. <laughs> i was like i mean like it, it is the same exact kind of idea, right? Where it's like, oh, well, you're just hoping that these creators out of the goodness of their hearts are going to be, like, not shitty. Which, like, it seems like a lot of them are, like, you know, good and responsible. But for <laughs> yeah. every one that there is, there's, you know, a Universal Fan Con or a Mighty Number no. 9 or, like... Fucking Flame Con. <laughs> fucking Flame Con. Like, all of these things. And it's just, like, there's no accountability. And that's ridiculous. Especially because it's a private platform. Mm-hmm. You have the tool, you have the ability to make it accountable. You just haven't in hopes to get a wider audience. And, like, now that Kickstarter is X big, like, it hypothetically should then be taking those steps to make itself more accountable to the backers. Because that is the most important thing, is that the backers need protections in these things. Yeah, for sure. And it's, uh, it's wild. But, yeah, but, like, that being said, like, holy shit like i I, i've been able like like because i'm like trying to be super careful with everything i have like budgeting spreadsheets and shit and like i've been getting invoices from people to like make sure that like things are good like and like the idea that other people don't do that and don't like factor in like how much the kickstarter fees will be and like how much realistically you're going to get in like because you're not going to get the total number because kickstarter takes out three percent and then card processing feeds are another three percent like you won't get like that amount you'll probably get like 500 to a thousand less including dropped pledges and so like if you haven't like packed in like fluff like a fluff room in your stretch goals or in your goals you haven't had lofty goals then you might you might fund and then get the money and underfund like and that seems whack <laughs> yeah which luckily didn't happen with us but or us me it didn't happen with me but like it's like it there needs to be a much many more tools available for people who are coming in without any help or advice and like luckily i had a lot of advice from like um uh aaron who made um who from a uh, uh, verse the universe who made earworm uh he's super dope and that game's great <laughs> but like he he like was like hey just so you know here's a lot of things that you need to be aware about there'll be a drop off in weeks two and three and then it'll pick up in one and four like be aware of that have something to take your mind off it you'll lose this much you'll probably won't get the full amount like blah 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 blah. like i was had somebody else to give me that information but like not everybody's gonna be in that position you know what i mean yeah well and it's wild that there's not anything like there that kickstarter has to kind of help people because like patreon is honestly obnoxious with all of their Mm -hmm. shit that they're trying to do to like get you to be engaged with their platform and like teach you how to do things and like <laughs> like there i get an email from patreon every fucking day being like hey here's how you can make your patreon better and i'm like i don't even have time to make my patreon viable currently like please please don't make me go to your seminar <laughs> yeah like 
Kickstarter the most it's done is been like, hey, it's been a while since you updated your backers. And like, and so I'm like, okay, cool. I'll do that. Like, that's all Kickstarter has really done. Besides then, like, also, like, thumbs up. Like, hey, you have you have 121 backers. Isn't that nice? Like, it doesn't have exit surveys. So if people drop their pledges during the fund, like, you don't know why they left. Like, you just see, like, uh, like uh, Jeff, Jeff Smith, the guy who shit talks on Twitter, uh, <laughs> dropped his $50 <laughs> pledge. And you're like, Why? Like what did what did I do? Like what why why why? Because like I want to know that. Like I want to be able to have that information going forward. But you don't get that. You just get a red number, and that can be stressful if you haven't already kind of prepared yourself for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. That seems like something that would just be like super anxiety inducing and like not very helpful feedback wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm lucky. I'm very, very lucky because, like, looking at, uh, like, I can look at KickTrack, which is another third-party software that does something Kickstarter should, which tells me how much I funded each day. I never had a day where we had a negative funding, which is possible that you could fund negatively. You know what I mean? Like, it's po- it's possible that you could have somebody drop a forty-dollar pledge and make, th- and you have somebody do a thirty-five-dollar pledge, but like, they don't prepare you for that. Yeah, see, that's just, like, wonk that they don't do anything to, like, condition you or prepare you for it at all. Yep, yeah, yeah. It's There's a lot that you need to rely on other people for, and I wish that wasn't the case. But I am happy to also, like, help other people know that. Because I think that's the thing is that a lot of people just go, oh, I guess that's just the way it is. Instead of going, why is this the way it is? (laughs) Yeah, that's... um. That's just ridiculous. I don't even have anything else to say. It's just fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yep. I mean, that's why I've been like, I've been, <laughs> I've been thinking about it and telling other people like, hey, why is this so bunk for a while? And so now you've given me a platform to say it's bunk. And I appreciate that. You're welcome. I don't, my platform's not huge, but you, all of them will know <laughs> that it's fucking bunk. I appreciate it. That's it. I made an impact somewhere. <laughs> like five people will know (laughs) (laughs) um but so okay so you did the kickstarter and whatever so how does like distribution work for something like this now that you're like you know funded and doing playbooks and you have like a pre-order set up right yeah, yeah. So the way I did it is, A, I created a website for my game. So that way people who still want to back can pre-order. They can only pre-order PDF copies, and that is by design. Because the idea of having to fucking, like, ha- handle physical book sales when I haven't released a single game is the most stressful thing. Yeah. Because, like, using Kickstarter, the way what I've done is instead of, like, finding a printer, finding somebody who will, like, print 200 books send them to my apartment and then I send them out. I'm going to go through drive through RPG, like the website, because they have a physical book distribution model that I am uh, excited to work with because, and they encourage you to use it for Kickstarter fulfillments, like, which is good because that way I have that done. You know what I mean? And that's out of my hands. That's another actor. Like it's something that I don't have to super focus on in a really nice way because like I'm already, I'm just worried about like, I want to make sure the game is created. I can handle PDF stuff, but like I, I'm not a. Sh- I don't. I don't. I can't even remember how to send a letter in the mail. I'm not going to try to <laughs> tackle UPS shipping. Like I, how how would I send mail in the city in the city of Chicago? How would I send mail? <laughs> I mean, you probably have to go to the post office, but that's a whole thing. Where's a post office? Man, I it's don't... 2018. <laughs> Listen, I have to send physical mail constantly for my job, so, like, I'm not the right person to ask. I'm... You are braver than I. (laughs) I just work at a fucking law firm, and they're like, we need to mail shit constantly, and I'm like, why? Use email. Use fax. God, it's so dumb. But that's neither here nor there. but Um, But, yeah. Well, and shipping is expensive, too. Like, even if you, like... Even if you can fathom doing shipping yourself, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they don't ask. They don't like again. They don't provide you with like the information. Like this is what how you should calculate your shipping. Like I like 
went to UPS and I like typed in like what I assumed the dimensions of my made up book would be and then like calculated based on that like what the plus shipping is and so like now I have that like shipping money that I will then like put towards like all right make sure drive through RPG gets this to people you know what I mean and like that's just money a number I had to pull out of my ass and I <laughs> hope that it is the correct one yeah I feel you on that we did that with sleigh shirts and I genuinely don't think we were correct um <laughs> to our detriment but um yeah it's just weird and wonk and hard so it's cool that there's like a system that kind of can help you with some of that more nitty-gritty mm-hmm. yeah. stuff it's something i desperately need and that is and all of this including the fact that like what the fuck do i do for taxes next year oh god like from what i understand Kickstarter should handle that. They should send me like a W two and shit, or like not W two W whatever, and like that they that should be mostly handled. But then, what do I do for the people that I'm contracting? If they're under like four hundred dollars, they're fine. But if they're over that, what what then? Like, there's like things that I don't know, and I have no tools to figure out provided to me from Kickstarter, or like, and I know it's like, well, then Google it, idiot. But like. I don't know. It ain't there's there's nothing in plain like in plain layman's turns understanding of that's like hey let me hold your hand and take you through this. Yeah, well, and that's problematic as fuck too. Like mm-hmm. doing taxes normally is already really hard, and then you're adding all this other shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was an independent contractor for like one year. I was a fucking auditor for some reason. They let me do that, and like <laughs> it. It, it's like that messed up my taxes so much because it's like, all right, you pay your taxes quarterly. Uh, you have to take it all out of your own paycheck and send it. And it's like, why is this the way that this is? Like, and then why do I have to come compute what I owe instead of you just telling me what I owe? Like, yeah, that's nonsense. That's wild and wonk as shit. Mm-hmm. Not here for that. Um. So now that we've gotten deep into the financials of this, um, I'm going to hard turn us a little bit um, and kind of go back to, because you were talking about like hacking games and stuff. Is that why you picked Powered by the Apocalypse specifically to like frame interstitial around? Yeah, like Powered by the Apocalypse are some of my favorite games because they're like, they have less numbers and I don't do math well. Like (laughs) it's, it's. (laughs) <laughs> i just i, I vibe less, with that on a deep spiritual level yeah. so. i i've touched i tried dnd everyone so i'm like yeah that's cool i'm not gonna compute what a plus six is i'm not that's above my pay grade <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. i don't i don't fuck with numbers at all and so like powered by the apocalypse is good because it really limits the amount of math you're doing and maximizes the amount of actual play and that's what i like and so like I've played a lot of Monster Hearts and a lot of really Monster Hearts. I just play a lot of fucking Monster Hearts. (laughs) And, like, I just started there and then worked out. And, like, I can look through my Google Sheets revisions and, like, see, like, how I got to where I am. Because the original idea is, like, okay, strings. Like, I like how strings work in Monster Hearts. Like, but that's a little too, like, malicious. uh, Maleficent for uh, (laughs) Kingdom Hearts, like. It needs to be cleaner. It needs to be nicer. Like, what are the different relationships that are in Kingdom Hearts? And, like, then, like, expounding on it from there. I work in games in a really dumb way. And I've, like, told, like, I've worked with some friends on stuff. And they're always, like, why, what are you doing? Because I start with, like, the uh, the playbook layout. I go in and I, like, lay out, like, this is what the playbook will look like. All right, what are the stats? Okay, what are, what are like, the playbooks? Like, what, 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 what uh, things do I need? to represent in this game and then once they're there then like okay what do each of these have in common with each other like i I work in a very like design first and then down into like how mechanics will work and the way you probably should make a game is like (laughs) mechanics first like oh i have this idea that this will work into this and then like build out instead of making a like a a function follows form thing like i did but like through like a lot of playtesting and showing it to people and going help <laughs> like it came together in a in a way that i think is really pretty yeah i i have i mean 
spoilers for the audience, I've played this game. <laughs> and it's full disclosure. Full disclosure, I played the game. Um I probably am gonna have to do that because people are dumb. Um <laughs> It's so good. I like I what's wild is like interstitial is how I met Joe. Like Really? I I was listening to like got it memorized as like a uh, casual fun thing and then like I posted because I was doing a play test I needed another player and I just posted in the got it memorized discord like hey um does anyone want to play and Joe's like I do and I, was, I remember going to my fiance and being like oh my god one of the hosts of the show wants to play the game <laughs> you just had like a little starstruck moment yeah, and they played Winnie the Pooh in a game. No, they played Killmonger. Winnie the Pooh is in the game. Oh, my and, Lord. Uh, Jesus. They, they radicalized Winnie. They gave Winnie the Pooh a gun. <laughs> like, it was so good. <laughs> oh, my God. And that was, that, that was like, before their Patreon went up. And so, like, then, like, they, like, Wheels or Joe messaged me. was like, hey, could we do a campaign of interstitial? And I was like, um, Okay. And then, like, we hit, they hit that goal immediately, and then, like, we did it, and then I met Hazel and Jory. It was the first time I ever talked to Wheels, is, like, the initial, like, recordings of those, or Nick and Jory. Like, it's wild how well that turned out. It's wild how, like, I don't know, it's wild how, like, certain people can come together and just, like, make something and have it be mm-hmm. good despite, like, not having really known each other at all. Yeah, like, the fucking, like, amount of chemistry that that group had, like, it's literally, like, <laughs> my favorite thing I've ever podcasted. Like, it's, like, I, like, have, I've, ne- like, often, like, been, like, oh, this is my magnum opus as, like, a joke. But, like, yo, this is, like, the best thing I've ever done, and I'm so proud of every episode of it. No, and it's so good, too. And it's, like, so much of it, too, like, when y'all and I are, like, talking about it and just, like some of the the stuff that just was, like, on the fly is so fucking wild. Like, not even because it necessarily seems super planned out, but just because it just, like, fits effortlessly. And it's like, how did they do this? That's that's my thing. Like, I, like, I don't plan shit. Like, I walk into every episode going, we can go to one of these four worlds. And then we pick one, and then from there, it's just, like, Calvin Ball. And it works because, like, you feel what everyone else is doing. And, like, just, like play off of that and like see things go together or like wheels will say david blaine and you go all right i guess david blaine's a character now (laughs) and like figure out what to do from there it's so much fun like just like when there's no plan there's just like four people creating a story together yeah i like that a lot honestly like it's so that's i think the thing that's like so attractive to tabletop in general to me is just like Especially because my intro was friends at the table, right? And that's just, like, Mm -hmm. Austin allowing those players to just take a left turn. And he's like, what if I made something fucking amazing out of this? And you're like, what? (laughs) Yep. So, like, now... It's a real, like, fucking, like, uh, Tolkien way of, like, making uh, uh, actual play. Because it's like, all right, first I created every ounce of the world and the literature that exists within the world. And then we played in it. (laughs) Yeah, I just, like, like, because I'm never going to forget, like, light spoilers for Friends of the Table, I guess. But, like, <laughs> the, the have you listened to the first arc of Hyron? So, this is actually, I'm going to get my my nerd, my fake nerd cred here. But um, I don't enjoy Hyron that much. Oh, <laughs> I'm not man. a big fantasy person. Oh, I love fantasy shit. Fantasy is so my shit. I love Hyron. <laughs> I'm a sci-fi person. I listened to the recap of Hyron trying to when i tried to start winter but then instead i just went and uh, went straight to a uh, twilight mirage ah uh, see twilight mirage was like the first one where i was like okay i can do sci-fi because like i don't mind sci-fi but like it's not super my shit mm-hmm. i am like That's such valid. a deep dark fantasy nerd um but hyron is like fucking wild yeah. because there's like a moment where like austin in passing mentions like oh i guess you could go chase after those pirates and then Jack and um, fucking Allie are like, hell yeah, let's go chase those pirates. And then it literally just like radically shifts the whole second half of that season because Austin was just like, oh, okay, I guess we're doing that. And then he came up with this wild, amazing shit that's like so good. And it's like, fucking what? Yeah. 
you you play off the what your players do and that's so much fun like i've played games where it's like you're like like you're playing somebody's book and that's that's not fun that's not as fun that's not as enjoyable you know what i mean like when it feels like you don't have any agency but like when you are like just a group of people and you're like fucking shooting from the hip on everything that's the best (laughs) yeah it's like i am so excited to do more just like generally in my life especially because like (laughs) i got to dm for slay for our like bonus shit and like i just got to like Mm -hmm. run fucking buck wild on that and it was like hell yeah it was so fun and now i'm like "Mm, got the taste for blood now like (laughs) <laughs> got a taste for the gm blood like let's go well the best part was like jess was just in the background the whole time just being like do whatever you want and i was like what <laughs> it was great it was so fun. you're god you can do whatever <laughs> yeah she was like because i was like asking her details about the world and stuff she was like honestly just like do whatever you want and i'll make it work and i was like damn okay yeah, that's that good shit. It's just like the I don't know what does it look like. Like giving giving somebody who like in old D and D terms shouldn't have the book. Like the book. Like giving author sharing authorship is so fucking cool. It's so fun and good, and people should play games like that. Oh. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah! That's why, like in um in interstitial, there are so many moves that like will literally like. Re- like rip control out of the uh the dm's hands <laughs> it'll be like like there's like the uh there's like the move prophesize where it's like a player says something and it's just straight up true it could be gravity gravity doesn't work anymore or all floors are cotton candy and it's like that's true like it, that is you have to figure out what that means in the grander <laughs> scale oh my gosh that's i wish now i wish y'all had done cotton candy I know, I know. <laughs> but so kind of going off of like the, you know, game systems and stuff. So the links are really, really interesting. And we kind of talked about them a little bit with like the connections with the strings and monster hearts. But like, mm-hmm. how did you, because it is like a really interesting system that when I first started listening to the show, I wasn't sure how it was going to work. But by the end, I was like, oh, fuck, this like so works. Um, so like, how did you kind of get it to that point? I've always been like um I like I have always been interested in the way that relationships happen between individuals and like Monster Hearts covers that in a cool way with strings but it really only covers it within the idea of like how can I pull this string later and that's the same kind of deal with influence in masks where it is like I I have influence over you and once I spend that influence it's gone and what I think is a lot more interesting is like analyzing a connection between two people and then figuring out what that connection means to both the people in that heavier quotes relationship. And so like the original like kind of uh, ideas of this had like maybe that it was almost like a veil like game where it was like, all right, maybe you have a, a light and dark meter and like it oscillates between those stats or like, all right, maybe you have bonds with people and like we got i got to links because like that was just something that's like it's very you can count that like i can count the links i have with people i can watch a show and go like all right keith has a a light link with with shiro a dark link with a fucking lance like i can see how those links work and so once you can like create a system that you can then look at other media and draw with and like pull things from then like i that was when i was like oh i have this thing that's working and like being able to then quantify it in such a way and quantify the different types of them and how like even bad relationships can still give you power is really freeing because like i i've like i've like in life had a lot of relationships of a kind with people that I've had a lot of relationships with people that people think I should have different kinds of relationships with. And so analyzing those links and figuring out why they are the way they are or why there isn't a link there helped me build the system in a way that I thought was, like, cool. And then it turns out people like that system. People like that <laughs> mechanic. And, like, I realized that there's not something super... 
there's stuff like it, but I think that it made it unique in its own way, and it's not just like a redressing of a game that already exists. Yeah, for sure, because I do think it's definitely different than like yeah, like those influence or those like I have Intel or whatever kinds of systems that are like kind of purely transactional. Um, mm-hmm. I like that it gets like a little bit. I feel like deeper is kind of dismissive, but like it definitely like kind of interrogates yeah. that stuff more, which I think is really cool. And like plays out yeah. well, and like because I I've also seen people tweet like you know games are we we often play games and like try to save people, but not many games are about the people we're saving, and like it's like I it just it's it's something that people haven't looked into enough is like how do relationships make you stronger, and like that's also like why I like dumb anime bullshit sometimes, <laughs> and like it's a very Kingdom Hearts thing where Sora has all of his friends behind him and is going my friends are my power, it's like yes. <laughs> Like they are, they literally are. This, this is the shit I do like. <laughs> and like, I I joked to me the other day and was saying that interstitial is like a lot of like how um they used to f- do forum role plays and then like oh I'm Obi Wan Kenobi and then where we have fucking Zelda bosses in there for some reason. Like it's just that kind of like I'm someone who is permanently on my own bullshit and like being like that's not a bad thing because like I. You know, I like I know you are also a person who's also on your bullshit and like a hey, high five game recognized game. <laughs> <laughs> but like I have in my life been like, you know, poked fun at for like being super unapologetically a fan of something I like and like being like, no, I love this thing. Like, yes. Like, oh, yeah, I could, I want to talk for hours about how Robin is important, how much I love Robin and Batman and Robin. Or, like, I'm just, like, and I positively like these things, and I want to get other people interested in them. And then, like, people will see that and be like, yo, why do you like that fucking thing so much? And they'll shut it down a little bit. Or they'll be like, I don't, wanna, I don't want to just redo the story of Star Wars and D&D. Thanks. I'm, I'm good. I appreciate what you're doing, but I'm fine. And, like, creating a vehicle that is all about, like, the kind of, like, self-insert, on-your-own-bullshit stuff that is crossovers and fan fiction and Kingdom Hearts is like incredibly compelling and great because it lets it not only lets you but it tells you hey do this thing that you're often told you shouldn't do and like i like that a lot yeah i like that a lot too and i feel like giving that space is such like an important thing especially because i feel like it tends to be a space that's like kind of coded for like queer folks and like femme folks specifically yeah and like that gets so derided that like it's nice to have something that's just like Nah, anybody can be fully on their bullshit, and, like, it is highly encouraged. Yeah, it is so much about the fact that, like, being on your bullshit is femme-coded and queer-coded. And, like, people like doing, like, people like doing that because, like, straight dudes will only do it when it's like, well, who would beat who in a fight? And that sucks. Like, that's a boring, like, way to look at it because what's more interesting is, like, how do those relationships flesh out? And, like for some reason it's okay when straight dudes tell like talk about how hulk could beat the thing or like oh hulk with a red lantern ring would be really cool and it's like it is cool let's talk about that more what does that mean for like the individual relationships in his life like what universe (laughs) are we in like i want to know more about the minutia of that and have more than a surface level thought about it (laughs) and interstitial makes you do that it does and that's like the that's like i feel like the strength is there that like i feel like you don't see unless you like get through that whole season of the actual play just because like the beginning of that show is so fucking ridiculous like just goofy bullshit and like i'm here for it because i love goofy bullshit my favorite movie is repo the genetic opera paris hilton's face falls off in that (laughs) film like i fucking love that movie and so i like i love that kind of bullshit but i was like oh this is gonna be like my fun goofy podcast like i can just listen to on the bus and like you know be cheered up going to work and then by the end i was like holy shit they have like an emotional fucking arc like (laughs) yeah like that kind of shit is there you can have emotions and also have fun like so many people think that they're separate (laughs) things but when you have fun you're you like get to unlock different parts of characters that you wouldn't before you wouldn't in other circumstances if you were playing it straight the whole time then you kind of, you miss out on what makes these characters happy, you know? And, like, that's why downtime is important in D&D or in uh, Blades in the Dark games, is, like, so you see what these characters are like. 
and when you're having fun and when you're like Chris Angel refusing to get up off the ground and just like slowly <laughs> levitating like that's funny but that also you know who you know who interstitial Chris Angel is and so when it, you hit the end of the season and something emotional is happening you know how much it means yeah it's it's so good I feel like it's like the best vehicle I've seen especially too because like I love fan fiction, and I love just, like, all of that kind of shit, but I feel like Interstitial is nice mm-hmm. because, like, you can take that character in the context and know, like, hey, so this is the character in the context, and then, like, you get to, like, that role-playing and that, like, interacting and having to like, really examine those relationships in a way that's, like, because there's nothing wrong with fan service or, like, mm-hmm. self-service, yeah. just, like, being on your bullshit, but, like, it's nice in the game because, like, you have to interact with other people, and, like, you can't... Like, as much as you want to be on your bullshit, you can't purely be on your bullshit because you have to deal with other people, too. Like, how it is in real life. It forces you to investigate on that that better, on that, uh, not better, on that deeper level of, like, how would this character interact in these circumstances? Which is what I think sets it apart from being, like, a a death battle simulator. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, like, we don't have mechanics for that. We have mechanics for, all right, like... What, how do you how do you talk to this person? How do you make a link with this person? Like we played a game with Calamon from Digimon Tamers and the <laughs> and Bright Eyes from the song Total Eclipse of the Heart, and it's amazing, <laughs> and it's incredibly emotional, and I cried during the end of it. Oh <laughs> like, my goodness! It's analyzing like the. Like, taking a character, extracting it, and then figuring out how it connects in the new world is so incredibly dope and important. And I think it's a tool that makes you a better storyteller because it makes you able to see characters and, like, establish connections without feeling like... It allows you to stretch those muscles in a fun, enjoyable way instead of, like, having to create everything from the ground up. Just say that I'm, like, I'm putting... Like, I'm putting Link, Mario, Master Chief in the Candy Kingdom from Adventure Time, and we're going to see what happens. Like, that itself is a fun, dumb way to stretch those muscles and see how characters interact, because you already have established characters and established worlds. Yeah, that actually reminds me of an article I read forever ago that was talking about, you know, like, the... The stigma against, like, fan fiction and stuff, especially, like, people who are like, oh, well, mm-hmm. if you write fan fiction, you'll never be a real writer, or, like, fan fiction's not important for writing. <sighs> and it's, like, the person was basically saying, hey, like, hey, there's something of value in playing in someone else's sandbox. Mm-hmm. Like, and getting yeah, to do and- that stretching of the muscles and kind of figuring your shit out, like... Yeah, because, like, canon is nothing but a construct made by corporations to tell you that you can only buy their shit because their shit's the only real shit. And that's fucked up. Because, no, I'm going to play with your toys and you can't fucking stop me. Like, that's it. Like, that's what it... Because, like, fan fiction is... It is. It's playing in someone else's toy box. And that's fun. And, like, you should be able to do that. And you should be able to, like, tell stories with characters that already exist. And feel good about it. And not, like, have to worry about, like, the the mouse breathing down your neck. If we're, like, talking about Kingdom Hearts this time. (laughs) Like, all this time. Like... (laughs) <laughs> Michael Mouse Michael is Mouse. watching you en- enjoy yourself and is like, oh, none, none of that. Like, God damn, I'm so shit. glad we got your Mickey, your Michael Mouse voice in this. <laughs> I will shove any sort of accent I can do into, into any any way I can. Don't don't worry. Uh, there might still be time for the other three. Oh, your Michael Mouse is my favorite thing from that show. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we also we did it in adventure in the podcast adventure where we had a uh, Tifa Lockhart Tifa Lockhart's nobody and Darkwing Duck and uh, Mickey was a uh, was the, a prominent fixture in that game and that was extremely funny to play Mickey bragging at a bar in Agrabah. <laughs> God, I fucking love Interstitial. It's so ridiculous and good. <laughs> It makes me really happy because now whenever somebody sees a crossover thing, I, I, I get like a tag and like, man, interstitial season two is looking wild. Like, <laughs> or is this interstitial? And that's great. That like, it gives me life. It adds six months onto my life every time someone does that. Yeah. I mean, God, I can't even imagine like the feeling of 
having this thing, like, kind of take off the way it did. Not that Interstitial's, like, you know, the next Mabim Bam, but, like, people like it and are talking about it a lot. <laughs> I did get credited with killing Taz the other day, which I is saw wild. That. I did see that, and I laughed. <laughs> I was like, I think you think I'm bigger than I am. <laughs> like, there's no fucking way. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not huge, we're not big, but like we are um we've put out a product that I think is legitimately amazing and I am like in both the game and the podcast. And so like I'm just I'm super happy to be a part of that because it's something that like as someone who dropped out of college, I didn't think I would ever be able to do. And, like, it's really important to me that, like, the knowledge of, like, college dropout and look at what I did. Like, it it fucking, it lifts me up. (laughs) Hell yeah. That's, see, that's fucking rad. And, like, a good, I don't know, just, like, I feel like a feel-good thing for, like, folks who just constantly live in existential dread about everything because life is dumb and hard. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, that's fucking rad. Um, So, like... That kind of ties into so like what what is the future of interstitial the game look like? I'm not gonna have you have to be existential <laughs> about the show because I feel like you probably can't <laughs> talk about some of that stuff also mm-hmm. um, wink wink so but um yeah, so like what is what is this what does the game look like going forward? The game I hope to have finished and released by either end of year or early spring next year. I The end of year this year is a very lofty goal where I'm hoping that will happen, but beginning of next year is a much more realistic. Um, I'm then going to have that up, and I have like the skeletons of other games that I want to make then sitting on like the burner. I know that there are other there. There's uh, somebody right now. Uh, Assembled Realities is their handle. They're making a. Uh, they're making just a, a supplement just on their own for Interstitial, which is really exciting. Which has like um, I, it's I believe it's called Ingenuity, and like they're making they're making like uh, like Lego like Lego Master Builder is a playbook like in that idea <laughs> like oh. they're doing things I would have never thought of. And like they're playing in they're playing in this play space, which I think is great and important. And I'm seeing like other people like uh, Nora Blake, neither Nora on Twitter is making a hack of interstitial about time travel. And like there's just like there are people that are now like taking tools that I helped I created in this framework and are doing things with it. And that's like that's incredibly cool. And that's incredibly something I'm here for. And, like, as far as, like, interstitial goes with me, once I release it, then, like, I have, you know, playbooks that are sitting here that, like, I can finish and then just kind of release over time. I have, um, I'm working on a roller derby Blades in the Dark game called, I think right now the testing title is Talk Derby to Me. But yes. I'm very excited about that. It's it's real fucking good. Every single character, like, in Blades in the Dark, you have, you start, like, you know, you start with, like, a set of items that you get to pick from, and every single one has a date item. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> like, like, fucking uh, tickets to that movie theater that's over the way, or, like, oh, the, the uh, you know, you have, like, you have a uh, 1975 Dodge Camaro and a pint of whiskey. Oh <laughs> like, it's goodness. just, like, so fucking good. I'm talking to, like, um, my aunt was on a roller derby team here in Chicago, and, like, the uh, designer I use was on a roller derby team. And, like, so, like, I have so many, like, contact points that I'm, like, we're making this game that is incredibly about, like, the relationships and, like, also sports movies. And also, like, so it's, like, can both tell, like, underdog stories or, like, oh, dang, like, the Saffron City Crushers stole our skates. We got to go fuck them up. Let's go. <laughs> like, just kind of, like, kid nonsense. And you, like, build up your base. Like, I'm trying to work on that. And, um... I have um, other ideas. I have a, a reality, like a reality show game. I wanted, I need to finish work on, and I also like have a like very serious small scale game that I want to work on, which is like it's called, it's called Custody, and it's about like a uh, family like trying to survive after a divorce, oh, which wow. is like a very personal game for me, and I'm very excited about it, and I'm gonna like watch where the wild things are and get super sad and in my own head, and then try to like <laughs> write it out. As you do. Yeah. I'm so pumped for it. Like, I like... I like using games as outlets for, like, feelings and emotions sometimes. You know? <laughs> like, it's good. I, I would never have guessed that, ever, Riley. <laughs> 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 oh, 
only been acquainted for a short time, but I never would have guessed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I'm I'm a very I'm easy to read. <laughs> Uh, that all sounds so cool, though. Especially, like, that roller derby one is, like, very much my shit. Like, I'm now extremely hyped. Uh, I wonder if I can hear. I can send you what, what it currently looks like over here. Because I, I make all my games in Google Sheets just because I think they look significantly prettier. And, like, that's... <laughs> no one else does that. Everyone else makes their games in, like, Word documents to, like visibly look smart and like have a better sense to them and like look good on mobile but i'm always like what if i just poured it out here and so like (laughs) boop where is the where's the discord window we're talking in there it is boop like there is talk derby to me and like oh shit i'm so excited like the vices are fun like karaoke is a vice like you oh can just like <laughs> like oh i need to go do oh, karaoke man. with my fucking I friends that you can i forgot about the vices and plates in the dark i've only heard the marielda campaign so i'm like mm-hmm. very limited in my knowledge of blades in the dark but oh this looks good as fuck. yeah it's it's a it's a system i don't super enjoy like playing so like i'm like making this and going like how can i make this something that i want to do yeah see i like it sounded cool when i heard it but again i've only like seen it you know what i mean oh this looks it's so just so fun i'm so excited i gotta like like sit there and really go through it and then like actually play test it Cause like, this is still like, this is still all just like floating in the air as like ideas. Like, as you can see, like playbook moves aren't even like filled out for almost all of them. Yo, but, if you need someone to help you yeah. play test this shit, I am down. <laughs> I will, I will hit you up. Cause this looks like purely on my bullshit. <laughs> like I love roller derby I'm glad, shit. I'm glad to hear that. Oh my goodness. This is so good. Oh. <sighs> I'm so excited for all the stuff you're gonna make. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will keep you updated. Oh. And uh, listener, if you want to keep updated, you can go to www.linksmithgames.com, <laughs> where other shit I do is will be up. <laughs> Hell yeah! Also, I feel like we're kind of getting to an end point, which I feel like is good because you know we've been talking for a hot minute. Yeah. And I feel like we kind of covered all... I had, like, a nice, like, list of things, and we kind of just, like, organically got through a lot of what I wanted to talk about. So, like... The sign of a, a good conversation. Like that, yeah. That's just good friends do. Good friends just having a chip. Um, just having a chit yet. But where can people find you? So, linksmithgames.net, you said, right? Dot com. Dot com. I got the dot com. I fancy. Look at you bougie with that dot com <laughs> i say from my product that's oh, coming yeah. out from a dot com um. <laughs> um you can also find me uh besides linksmithgames.com you can also find me at rev rye bread on twitter that's rev like reverend rye bread like rye bread <laughs> i do bed bath and bionicle where i talk to i call my friend joe at 7 a.m. my time, 8 a.m. their time, and I explain Bionicle lore to them for 30 minutes while they get ready in the morning. There's Digi Mondays, where me and my friend Nora Blake rewatch Digimon Tamers two episodes at a time. Um, Interstitial, a Kingdom Hearts inspired actual play podcast, is uh, where we play Interstitial, Our Hearts Intertwine, the game we've been talking about and the podcast we've been talking about. <laughs> and soon I'll be on uh, Halcyon Station, a, a uh, masks game. It's set in Star Wars. Uh, I play a robot named Iggy Ixy, and I am a, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a droid. I'm a, I'm a cute droid. Hell yeah. Um, what else? Is that it? I think that's it. I think I'm good. <laughs> awesome. And so, yeah, you should definitely, dear listeners, please go pre-order Riley's game. It's very good. Like 10 out of 10. I played please. it. That's my disclosure and also my recommendation. <laughs> just like, it's very good and fun. So if you like tabletop games or if you like kingdom hearts bullshit or you just like live action fanfic you should just 100 get it and play it with your friends um but yeah you can find the website that this is coming from which is your geeky gal pal at your yeah that's gonna do it thank you for talking with me today riley thank you for talking with me my friend hell yeah all right so we are gonna we're gonna go so goodbye everyone
Bye. <laughs>